Hi there, and welcome to the Grief and Rebirth podcast. I'm your host, author and trauma survivor, Irene Weinberg, here to encourage you wherever you are in your healing journey. In each episode, I chat with incredible grief and trauma specialists, healers, mediums, and celebs, as well as remarkable people who have inspiring healing stories to share. If you're looking for a podcast that's both uplifting and inspiring, you've found it. Let us help you find your joy in life. Hi, everyone. I hope this finds each of you so very well. I'm speaking to you today from my studio in West Orange, New Jersey. Delighted to welcome Carrie Honey. Right, Carrie? Yes. Carrie Honey, um, a remarkable woman who is a dream analyst, an expert on the recurrent symbols or motifs that inspire our dreams and oracles, the author of seven books about dreams, ancient astrology, and nature's abundance, and a translator of ancient texts such as the Tao Te Ching and the I Ching. Carrie will be speaking to us from Cancun. And please forgive the blurry image because her reception is not sharp. Her bandwidth is not cooperating with her today. As a child, Carrie had an out-of-body had out-of-body experiences at the onset of REM, which is the recurring sleep state during which dreaming occurs. This brought her an early understanding of the metaphorical nature of dreams, and it later inspired her to study comparative religion and physics to enhance that understanding. In 1991, Carrie had a life-changing out-of-body experience, which prompted her to give up her career as a fashion buyer on Rodeo Drive. She began to work with the elderly and at-risk gang members in East LA schools, using art to connect them to inspiration and vision. In 1993, Carrie was diagnosed with temporal lobe epilepsy. The diagnosis did not diminish her experience of connecting to other realms and the seizures stopped when Carrie began to follow her calling. I'm looking forward to a fascinating interview with Carrie about the just isness of life to work through challenges, how we must be able to accept the unacceptable to heal, the ways life teaches us about learning to let go the 24-hour mind, how nature has been moving towards abundance and growth for billions of years and more. This is surely going to be an enlightening interview filled with many new insights. So let's begin. Hey, Carrie. Hey, it's thank my you. my pleasure. Oh, <laughs> you're welcome. So welcome my to pleasure. the podcast. It's a pleasure. I mean, part of the perks of this is that I get to meet wonderful people, interesting people like you, and mm-hmm. share you with, with and we have people. so much in common yes because I, I was once a buyer uh, uh-huh. in the retail industry and and I two children's stores and all of that so let's start with this question your audience is equally male and female because you are a bit more scientific in your approach to spirituality which appeals to men what is your unique approach to spirituality well, okay. So if, if I was to describe what I do, I would say that I explore nature in detail. So whether it's, you know, microbiology or just processes, how echo spheres and, you know, weather patterns, I, I study nature to understand the human journey. 
And I, I get a lot of inspiration and a lot of direction, you know, by doing that. So the, so the scientific aspect, I think, makes kind of what I do attractive to men. And I feel like dreams are an organic um, way that nature drives or evolves our spirituality. We spend half of our lives in that condition. And what I've observed since I was a child, as you mentioned, in understanding and working with dreams, and then all of the research that I've done, and, I, and I'm not that much younger than you. <laughs> Just so you know, you're, I'm at the very end of the baby boomers. But, um, you know, so I've, I've, I've spent a lot of time, you know, studying physics. And so I, I feel like what makes my spirituality message unique is that I see it as something um, that, that it's an organic thing. I mean, a lot of people talk about the body and soul being at odds, or there's good and evil. And, you know, and to, and to me, I feel like there's this, um, there's this way of, of enacting spirituality in our awareness so that we're, we're already there. You know, we're not like, we don't have to die to get there or that there's this real powerful um, amount of um, psyche, psyche, expansion that's available available to us and dream work seems to kind of like give an uptick to that activity that's interesting would you like to tell us about the out-of-body experiences you had as a child and contrast them to the life-changing out-of-body experience you experienced in 1991 okay so when i was little at the onset of rem which i didn't realize at the time but that's what they found out later but i would start to have a sensation of being up by the ceiling or being under the bed and um i would close my eyes or or look around and everything would become distorted so it was kind of like things would look long elongated and short or tall and skinny and you know this would go on until you know i guess i eventually fell asleep and so this obviously might have something to do with why I kind of got more into like, I never really looked at the dream world as being not an important part of our life experience. We learn, we learn in both conditions. And, uh, but what was weird is I went through all, I've gone through some very challenging situations. Like my, my first boyfriend, when I was like 19, died in a car crash, like instantly. And, you know, I've had, I've had to sort of walk a path that has a lot of challenges and a lot of grief. And, and at this particular time in 1991, I had this one, this out-of-body experience where it was, where in the past, it seemed like I was more able to just prove that I was actually like, I could go in the kitchen of a room I shared with people and see what was on the counter. And, wow. you know, I, but in 1991, I, I basically had what would be called a near death experience because I went to this tunnel. I went through something that, I knew that if I stayed there, somebody was talking to me, even, you know, kind of in my mind or whatever. Now, this was during a seizure that this happened? Well, yeah, well, that, that, that hold on, because I didn't know that 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 was what was happening. But um, I only call it a near-death experience because it had the same kind of, like, you know, stuff. And so what was weird is then a year after that, almost to the day is when my husband came home and was diagnosed with a um, terminal condition. And I had signed up because I, like I said, I had, I mean, I, when I was younger, I would hide books from my boyfriend. I mean, I had history and physics and religion and, you know, I mean, I was just voraciously trying to figure out what was happening to me. That's really what drove it. And so I, you know, I had signed up for an Einstein conference at UCLA and this is Wednesday and the conference is that weekend. And this is going on with my husband and, 
And so I, I kind of had to make the decision and I thought I need to just go. And so I was in the audience and they were uh, talking about what, you know, they were, it was Einstein, obviously. So we can't travel at the speed of light. Our bodies never could. But what would the world look like? You know, so let's look at some pictures. And that's when I sat there and they were showing okay, if you travel forward, everything gets long and skinny. If you go sideways, it's short and fat. And it was like such a confirmation because I felt like I always had a sense that we had an energetic condition. And so whatever it was that was going on with my body was sending my perception into, um, into that sort of like, you kind of get outside of time, you get outside of what defines our dimension, or I don't know how you want to explain it. But for me, it was just a confirmation even in the face of the suffering that I was about to go through, that it was almost like a gift. Like, like, don't, yes, you're on the right path. This is all meaningful. It's all unfolding perfectly. And you do know that there is like an energetic, timeless, you know, transcendent reality. And, uh, and, and to see that, like, <laughs> Does that mean, I don't know, even, even know if that makes sense, but it then it was to me, but so you had, well, that confirmed all the experiences you'd had before. Right. And so then that was this when, amazing one that you had. Right. And then when I went to the um, neurologist a couple years later was when they diagnosed it as temporal lobe epilepsy. And it was so funny because by now I'm like 27, 28. I mean, I've pretty much spent a lot of time trying to figure oh out gosh, why. And when he said, the first thing he said to me, when I walked in his office is, do you have out-of-body experiences? <laughs> so, so, you know, and all my friends were like, oh, that's such a bummer. And I'm like, no, it made it may tell me why this happens, but it certainly doesn't diminish what I what I am in touch with when I have those experiences. And I don't normally talk a lot about that. And certainly like 10 years ago, I would never even have mentioned it because it is not. You know, but I, but as you mentioned that there's like a change in the way people, you know, especially this younger generation, like I know they're, they're embracing my work on dreams more than, you know, the, the before I would go to a publisher and they were like, right. you write about dreams. What are you, you know, you must be from California. Like, you know, <laughs> and, you know, so, so yeah, we're evolving into kind of a different way of understanding our life experience. Right. Well, you had that, um, life-changing out-of-body experience did they tell you that you had a um choice to go back or uh, no nothing? no in fact in fact so when when this is going on i finally you know this voice whatever it is like a guide like like i felt like i no, made it happen yeah exactly and it was like if i stayed behind this thing these people i was observing wouldn't know i was there and i and i fearlessly busted into this you know place and immediately I thought, oh, I'm seeing like the forms of people. There's no cognizance. They're just raw emotion, energy, like they're expressing their energetic condition. And at first I'm thinking I'm in a place where the dead people are, you know, like this is the well of souls or, or whatever. But then all of a sudden I see my sister and she washes through me like tears. And I see my husband and my friend and like all, people that are very much alive on the earth. So I didn't, so it wasn't really a near death experience. And I didn't travel to the side where people are, are dead, but I definitely was in a place where I was in the energetic uh, community. Maybe, I don't know. It was just kind of a very, uh, and, and I feel like, that's when my life changed. That, that, that's why I call it a life-changing experience because 
I still can connect energetically with my clients. And um, I've had connections with people that have passed when I'm working with family members, clients, you know, like they'll reach out to me. And uh, so it's kind of yeah, like, it kind of heightened your perception, heightened your awareness. Yeah, it it it, it sort of dissolves my um, any barriers to that uh, flow of compassion and energy that I use for healing. Right, you know? that's amazing. When your husband was diagnosed with the terminal illness, you questioned why doing good led to being handed that horrible situation in your life. Everyone is all ears to hear what the universe what the universe's answer was to you for that question. Well, yeah, because that was what that, that was exact years that I was doing that work in East LA with the gang members. And, and again, like, because of my understanding of this, uh, of, like, art isn't isn't really like, oh, you're clever, you painted a pretty picture. It's more that it gives somebody like a connection to their inner vision. And if a child doesn't have inspiration and inner vision, they only have peer pressure. So that was kind of why I put put that together. And then I like would do stuff with the elderly, same thing, like reinvigorate and teaching them poetry and drama. And, and so, yeah, when that happened, it was like, why, you know, why, if I'm doing good? So, so you have to remember that the big out of body came 1991, the husband thing happened in 1992. And those years I was doing that. And it wasn't until that weekend that I got that confirmation and, you know, and that where the universe was like, you're on the right track. You know, it was kind of like, it just gave credibility to all of the things that I was suspecting. And I no longer felt crazy. And it was kind of like, I could see the 1991 big event setting me up for the strength I would need to be able to uh, deal with what was happening in, in 1992. So that was kind of, so the universe message was really that, which is, which is what I teach every day it's perfect. It's all unfolding perfectly. We can worry, we can wrestle with it, but it's exactly our path and it's perfect for us. Including your husband's illness and what happened with him because Saul dying next to me in the car accident was absolutely part of my awakening and my path Mm -hmm. also. Right. We don't want that, that, but. Yeah. And that's what I say, you know, I mean, when I was 19, I remember all my friends from high school felt so sorry for me because my first love interest, my boyfriend, you know, died. And, you know, kind of, it's, 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 I wouldn't be doing the work I'm doing if I didn't have, you know, those experiences. Yep. And that's why we're both talking to each other today. Exactly. So so nice to meet you. Uh, You too. So uh, you've seen how things that seem bad can ultimately reveal a silver lining. We're talking about that. Or put another way, what challenges you not only makes you stronger, but reveals aspects of your unique path. We've been talking about how this is true in both of our lives. Is there anything you want to add to that about your life and how that's manifested? Well, I mean, I I think the I, again, like I see even like natural disasters as, oh, it's a horrible thing that's happening, but there's some sort of like breakthrough through stagnation, some sort of rebirth going on. So I just, I kind of always am walking. I think before we started the interview, we were talking about what's going on. You have more of a neutral path than some other people. People take very strong 
positions one way or the other, but your path is more neutral to see mm -hmm. the bigger picture. And, and it really, that's like the Taoism, you know, a lot of the writing that I do about Taoism is that, you know, these extremes, all they are is a waste of energy. The stream, it's very good. It's very bad. It's very, you know, and it's kind of like, because I walk, you know, with the sense that everything's unfolding perfectly, I trust the universe, like with, with what just happened with the virus. You know, I feel like a lot of things changed. There was a lot of anger and, you know, not that it dissolved all of it, but maybe it prepared us for now this horrible situation, you know, that's going on in Ukraine, but, but, but we're learning a lot and we're, we may be more kinder to the environment. We may change our energy practices. We may respect each other's, you know, boundaries. So I just feel like trusting that everything's unfolding and, and nature, it's been doing this for billions of years. It's been working towards something better continuously. We showed up a second ago on a geological scale. And so knowing that it gives me a sense that there's a benevolence, right? right? And, and I hate to say that because again, it's judging good and bad, but when you well, they call it love, or they—it's a higher love. Level, you know, it's just—it's kind of—it's if if it's growing and it's evolving and it's better, how can that be bad? And yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, knowing that's happening in nature, and knowing that we are nature after all, like we can think what we want about being superior out there in the animal world or whatever. We are just natural creatures in a natural world. And so if nature is changing everything to be stronger, better, faster, more effective, kind, you know, whatever it is, we too are being led, led on that same path. Really, really, I love, I love your take on it because it would reduce about four tons of anxiety levels in, within everyone about what is going on. Um, could you explain your, and you're sort of touching on it now, your theory about the just isness of what you call life's unfolding perfection, how this just isness helps us work through our challenges and why it is important to embrace the just isness of life. So, like what you've just been saying is mm -hmm. the, the, the viruses are part of the just isness of exactly. life. There have been viruses throughout time. It's mm -hmm. not about this particular virus that happened. This is part of the natural progression of what happens. So would you like to talk a little bit more about that? That's really- Yeah, and, I, and that might be, that might be maybe a good place to, to talk about dreams too, because we, we're dreaming about, we're dreaming the opposite of what we believe to be true about ourselves. I mean, we, we go through life and we're pulled by conformity that we have to do this. We have to dress this way. We have to, you know, and every night. And again, it's like almost half of our lives. We're then there's parts of the psyche and the body that the body's paralyzed There's parts of the psyche are shut down any sort of sense of logic, left brain, you know, ego, whatever you want to call it is abate. It abates. And so we have more of a right brain, uh, imagery driven. And so this, this is sort of like helping us to break through our blockages. And, you know, I feel like the just is, you know, so I feel like that's really, that's an organic thing that nature's doing. That's how nature leads us, leads us to evolution, how we can let go of what we think we need. And we're holding on so tight that the thing that we really need, we can't see, you know, and so the sooner that we, you know, and it's not a new message, I just, because I bring nature into the picture, it sounds like it, but it's faith. It's right. just, you know, having a sense that like you call love or the benevolence or the um, meaning, the uh, whatever it is, it's like being able to accept that 
while we may not understand and, you know, like even our ideas, like what's going on with Ukraine and the people that are dictators are bad and all democracy is good. And, you know, it's kind of like, there's just, when we start believing that our way is the only way, it's all, we're always going to have war. And so we have to find a way to coexist out of respect and, and part of being in the just business is knowing that when somebody's being mean to me, they're suffering. What can I do for you? You know what I mean? It may sound like crazy, but it's not like, oh, let me react and let me make it 10. You know, it's just sort of like being present and recognizing that things are unfolding perfectly. That's so and, fascinating. Go ahead. I'm sorry. What, what were you? Going oh, I was just going to say that I believe people are on our path for a reason. You know, and in the same way, the, the things that show up in our dreams are the symbols are there for a reason. It's our mind pulling it together, but it's inspired by something more profound than we're aware of by day, let's say. And I feel like that same process is happening, you know, during, through the experiences that we meet on the path. I mean, why would our dreams be all about us, but not our experiences? We are carrying our baggage into everything we're doing. And it's all about us. <laughs> well, Carrie, why don't people remember their dreams, though? Because you're saying well, they're so important, but most people yeah. wake up in the morning and they go, I had a dream, but I don't really, re I, I'm, I'm upset of something I dreamt okay. or whatever. They're left with the emotional residue of it, but they don't really remember what it was. Well, okay. So ego is a survival mechanism, right? Like we are called organisms because we organize and we're always looking for what's out of place, what's wrong. You know, we're always trying to maintain the status quo. We don't like change and we want to like get acceptance and love. I mean, that's why social media is so powerful today. We want to be stroked and we want to fit in. And, and so we're, we're getting, you know, very, very far away from who we are. And, but at the same time, let's say that there was some quality about me that really is what makes me authentic that I might repress and have forgotten. And that's the quality that's coming out through dreams. The problem is that when, when we're dreaming, we're more like in the right brain, like I said, and when we're living by day, we're very logical and very left brain oriented and wanting to put everything in categories. And, and when we, so when we wake up from our dreams, we're sort of putting on a different head and the same mind that wanted to just suppress, even though it was like childish and it was a misunderstanding and it can heal us today. That, that's why we can't remember our dreams. But people that work with me do start remembering their dreams. And when people do remember their dreams, a very profound thing begins to happen. They begin to see that dreams are showing us how we organize our life. Because if I, I unpack a dream when I'm doing dream interpretation for somebody, because it's not me telling them what's going on in their life. The dream is telling me what's going on in their life or, you know, and so we kind of start to see how they're organizing their idea of life. And what, and then they, it starts to, they see it in daily life too. We are in control of what's happening to us. And that's where synchronicity, like things that happen in the dreamscape, it's like, now I know it, that seems really familiar to me. And so once people start paying attention to their dreams, they sort of lose the boundary. And that's what I call the 24 hour mind, you know, that we're, there is the dream life we're learning a lot. And through our experiences, we're learning a lot. One's not more important than the other. And when we remove that boundary, they, very profound things can happen. So if people really want to explore more uh, about their psyche, it pays for them to start to 
work with their, mm-hmm. with their dreams once they can learn yeah. how to access them. And, and I'll give you a couple like tricks because knowing that we're more in the right brain when we're dreaming, it's symbol, it's symbol driven. There's no language, you know, I mean, there is language like people are talking and stuff, but the story is more like symbolic. Everything is like rep- a representation. Even other people that appear in our dreams are representing sides of us that we're adopting or discarding and, and, I tell people, you don't have to remember the whole dream, but don't jump into what do I got to do today? Or, you know, let me try with my left brain to try to remember my dream, like wake up gently and see if you can remember just one image, because I see people tend to, you know, dream the same theme over and over, like whatever the message is, it's just repeated. But then as they remember that one symbol, then they'll remember, okay, well, it was, you know, a horse and the horse was in a forest by a castle. And there were these, you know, uh, knights in shining armor or whatever it is, you know, it's kind of all starts coming back to them and write it all down before you start analyzing it and then give it like time to, you know, then, you know, look at it or look it up on the internet or, you know, and you'll see that there's like, wow, like, you know, there's some, that, that is me right now. I am doing that. So it's an insight into into you. Um, do you believe that people's deceased loved ones come through to them in their dreams also? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, that was what I was mentioning before is, I don't know if you want me to tell you the story about working with clients Please. where they're, okay, Please. so um, what, like I, I've, when I'm working with a client, if they have a deceased loved one, sometimes, you know, I, I can get that energy or message or, or whatever. So without a doubt. So you do a little bit of mediumship. Also, right. But it's not like, yeah, it's not like I hang out my shingle and tell right, everybody, right, right, but, right. but if I am working with people, and Bonus, that's part, like yeah, no, <laughs> no <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I don't, I don't drive it. If it happens, it happens. Right? right. But what I'm saying is that is proof to me that there is definitely, in fact, I think our idea of what this world is or what life is or whatever is part of that left brain. And we're probably more like what we are in our dream condition. And this all just dissolves and we go inward and it's, we're never going to die. So on that note, I believe that there, that nobody dies, that, that our loved ones are, are always with us. But I was working with a client and this was kind of probably one of the first times it happened. I was working with a client and we were talking about her career and she never mentioned her relationship. And one day I was, you know, getting ready do my hair or whatever it was. And I just get this really strong energy. Tell her about the shoes, remind her about the shoes. And I felt like this is an older lady. I could kind of get a sense of what she looked like and her energy. And I'm like, what? I don't, I didn't quite understand it. And then somehow I got that it was my client. And when I saw my client later and I'm like, I don't, I don't know if this means anything to you, but I got this message about shoes. Does that mean anything? And she's like, looking at me and I'm like, well, it was kind of like an older lady. And it was just sort of like, tell her about the shoes, remind her about the shoes. And she just busted out in tears because the last time she saw her grandmother and her grandmother had just passed there, the, she wanted to buy some shoes and her boyfriend wouldn't let her or whatever it was. And the grandmother did not approve of the boyfriend. And that's led then this client to open up to me about a very abusive relationship to the point where there was a gun involved in the breakup. You know, oh thank God. God. Yeah. I mean, nobody shot or no, nobody got hurt, but there was definitely a problem there. And now she's got a family, she's happily married. And, you know, so, but that was, uh, I think the grandmother had just passed within a week when I got that, that message. And I really, I worked with another client that 
um, who was Chinese. And I, I really feel like my really deep understanding of Taoism came from her father because <laughs> he was a very, he was like a Taoist master. And I was working with this client and I was just constantly getting all this inspiration. I think that was back when I was like translating some of these texts. And so I don't know, I don't know how it all works or what it all means, but they're, um, our loved ones are with us and always, uh, always all around us. Yeah. When you, yeah. When you talk about the 24 hour mind, you also talk about how it helps to experience synchronicity and flow. Would you like to talk to that? Um, and why learning to let go is also so important for us? Well, yeah, I kind of, I kind of touched on that. You know, right. the, the idea of the 24 hour mind is that we don't set a barrier between, okay, I dreamed this, but I'm living this. Like we oh, don't right. say, we don't say ones. Yeah. So that's kind of the 24 hour mind. And then synchronicity becomes more apparent for us when we're, um, when we're watching our dreams, because we're more aware of what we're learning from our higher self, you can call it that God, I don't know, whatever it is, we're learning something. And so we can apply it. And so the reason you have to be open is when, if you look at how, who we are, when we're dreaming, we're totally open. Like we're like a wide, wild mouth witness. You know, <laughs> It's so real. Like it feels as real as, as everything that we experience by day. And so what if we could apply that same sort of like naivety, innocence, you know, try, you know, just that sort of what's this going to be today? Like that open to the experience open that we could, maybe I'm wrong, you know, like, you know what I mean? Like just, just uh, going with the changes. <laughs> right, right. Just going with whatever it is and learning as we mm -hmm. go along, right? Mm -hmm. um, can you tell us how nature has been, you say that nature has been moving towards abundance and growth for billions of years. And you describe how this impacts our own human journey challenges. And could you talk about that, including how that impacts our challenges that we're facing now? Um, yeah, so I I had mentioned that right that, that everything nature's doing is moving towards benevolence and that we're a part of nature and we're being um, it, we're what's the word like we're in an evolutionary process with everything with a petri dish of cells or whatever else is around you know we we're, we are all going through this growth. Actually, what I'm getting from you is in, instead of being the center of the universe, like we all seem to think we are get over yourselves everyone you're just part of the whole picture right and and we're being transformed through like what the you know what we all had to go through with coronavirus i think in a, in a way everybody got back to like remember i was talking about conformity and all the things that make us who we're mm -hmm. not and really mm -hmm. that's like the path that nature wants us to be authentic it, life is a process of unmasking us you know it's not like we're going to learn who we need to be, we're going to unmask who, whatever it is that is in us and allow who we are, you know, to kind of be. So I feel like parts of maybe what we went through with the virus, people working from home or whatever, like you get their priorities in order, they have more appreciation for family time or, you know, like who knows what it is. I just trust that it's all unfolding. And I, and same with this crisis in, in Ukraine. I, you know, I, I think if we can stop judging everybody and sure it looks horrible and there looks like there's bad characters and good characters. And, and in some ways like funding, you know, um, fun, we're, we're like, we're like watching something from the sidelines, throwing energy for it to keep going and people are dying and it's getting, you know, it's just not effective. It's just not. And, and the things that they're asking on the other side are like, you know, 
not not unrealistic. Like these are our borders, and you know why can't you be neutral? And you know how far are you going to keep coming this way? Or you know so without judging, like if we could just put that aside, and you know some of the things are the way we'll deal with energy. Maybe maybe like NATO has brought you know like you were saying earlier, a big sense of peace. And so I just feel like you know that openness and letting go of the judgment and uh, not allowing things to just. Uh, so, so, you know, you could say that there's evil and I guess I don't see evil. I see uh, bad decisions, but I can't point my finger and say your decisions are bad and their decisions are not, you know what I mean? Because you can see there's a lot going on that's driving this. Fascinating. I mean, your take on it's fascinating. You know, you know, you pull people from their polarized sides yeah. to see it in a more neutral way. And I really wanted to pull. You've developed some apps that have achieved new and noteworthy status at iTunes. What would you like to tell us about them? Um, well, I I have the Yijing app. My Yijing uh, is uh, it's basically a Chinese oracle, but it's I feel one of the most profound oracles. I I, I don't. I should probably mention that. Um, because people don't remember their dreams, I do a lot of, I have oracles on my site, but they're very Jungian, like uh, Carl Jung, like based on sort of, and they're very nature inspired. And, um, but they, I feel that a person with the right intention can get the same kind of information from an oracle that they would if they were dreaming. Because I, when I'm doing dream work with people and they're doing oracle readings at the same time, it is the same message. So, um, so the- So how does a person do that? Let me just say, so they get on your site and they want to get an oracle. Right, so on my website, it says oracles and you can choose from like an Yijing reading, which is very nature. The Yijing is based on um, nature's way of change, which is what I've kind of been talking about. And it's like, we are part of something that's changing. And the Oracle is just, it's like working with a Zen master, you know, cause it's sort of, you know, people can ask things and it will be like, calm down. Like, look at this, you know, this is what you bring. And it's a very profound Oracle. So I had, so it's like, you know, probably number one in the world, I think, or it has been, or should be whatever. And so then I have the, uh, I have the app, but I had a, a lot of nature inspired uh, apps too. That was why I think I got new and noteworthy. And then uh, I had the dream app, um, the way of dreams and interpret your dreams, but I just recently sold that. And so, but I still have them on my website. I think if you go into the oracles, the dream dictionary, there's a cloud, you can type your dream in and it will tell you a list of the symbols that were in your dream. Really cool. And, I have and there's tarot. Yeah, there's tarot. And one of my favorite oracles, I have to tell you, is astrology, because I can, uh, I read it, I read a chart like a language, like it just comes out and starts to tell a story, like um, and a person has to have the birth time to get a really good reading. So do you but, do astrology charts and you can tell people um, based on their chart or whatever, um, their information? What? Yeah, yeah. Like if they know their time of birth, hold on, I'm just going to get out of this so it doesn't ping at me. Um if a person knows their uh, time of birth, then I can do a really accurate reading. I've done readings without the time of birth, where they just know the day, you know, the day. That's and so birth. cool. So they but have to what, go. So for the people listening, if they want to do that, they can go on your site and they can arrange for an astrology chart. Right. Right. Yeah, they can. But but it's like a, it just seems to like describe why you have the parents you have, why you had the childhood that you have, what it is you're here to do. Like it really has That's a bit. Of, I know it's like a lot I, of people would love to love it. I know it's like. Yeah. So I feel like uh, th th that's what the oracles are. <laughs> Just to answer yeah, your question. <laughs> and, and, and speaking of, you've been talking about um, 
there are two of your books that I really want to talk about. One mm-hmm. is, um, I mean, you're, you, you're a busy girl and you've only written seven books. I mean, my goodness. <laughs> and two albums. <laughs> and two, <laughs> no, I'm a musician a too. Girl. No, I know. <laughs> I know. Um, I know you do some work with music too. Uh, you're so talented. In your book, that's called The Mythology of Sleep. You state that dreams reveal the exact opposite, which you're sort of talking about, of what mm-hmm. we believe to be true about ourselves. What else would you like everyone to know so they can run out and learn more about the mythology? Of well, sleep? The, the mythology of sleep is basically looking at the her, the hero's journey through the dreamscape. There's some there's going to be some sort of success ultimately. But what you know, and it's using mythology from around the world to help us understand why certain landscapes come up in dreams. You know what the desert versus an icy environment, you know, would mean. And so it's kind of a cool book to learn a really in-depth look at, at dream interpretation. And in, in that book too, I talk about the three parts of a dream. And what I've noticed is that we'll have, and especially right before waking, because we'll probably have like, I don't know, 10 dreams a night, or we won't remember them all, but we'll have a sense that something's going on. And then all of a sudden the environment morphs and now it's a different landscape, but it's kind of, we know it's the same dream. And then it morphs again and it's kind of the same dream. And so I started to study that. And I see that there's like in the first landscape, there's information about um, how whatever the conflict that we're facing, you know, it describes it. Then when it morphs, a lot of times it has things that relate to high school or childhood homes or and it can sort of bring up um, information about how that conflict was created. And then the third portion which is all often the most bizarre. And also when people are telling me their dreams, as soon as they get to the crazy stuff, they're like, oh, well, don't, that, that was just nonsense. No, that's the good stuff. Like, I feel like the psyche is, is a genius in coming up with some kind of symbol that captures. And it's, and so the third part is about the resolution, you know, how, how to achieve the breakthrough. And there's usually information in that crazy symbol that would get, Hey, have you ever considered? <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so yeah, it's kind of a book for, um, yeah, for anybody who really, because I have the mind's mirror too, which is just a dream dictionary, but, and talks a little bit about dreams, but that one's the one about mythology is kind of fun. Cause it's, it, you also get to walk through world mythology and see the common symbols. So that's so cool. And then you've got another book and you love astrology. And this one is called decoding the night sky ancient Babylonian astrology. And this fascinated me because I love the concept of rebirth. And you state that the snake worshiping rituals of many ancient cultures were tied to the concept of rebirth because the snake shed its skin in cycles. So can you explain why snakes, which I know you can explain, why snakes were believed to hold the secrets of immortality, healing and rebirth? And anything else you'd like to tell us about decoding the night sky? Well, decoding the night sky is looking at um, the astrology way before the Greeks. Like the Greeks were around 500, you know, you go back to like 2500 BC to start to understand the Sumerian and Babylonian interpretations of what they saw. And I see it as they were decoding stars as messages. And um, and also, there, so, so the signs are a little bit different, but there's still a lot, you know, you can still relate to them. It's just that uh, so, so again, for anybody who's interested in astrology, there's a lot of really good information that can give a more well-rounded uh, 
sense of understanding why the design became the way it did. But it also looks at like some hieroglyphs and things that like Gobekli Tepe and Ratnagiri and the, the, the man bags that we see on ancient Stella and stuff and, and how astrology goes back 10,000 years. So there's, there's some of that. And uh, so you were talking about the snake and rebirth, yeah. which is like a common, a common motif. And it really kind of, you know, again, like all of our mythologies came from the stars. Like they were watching, you know, the way planets only move through an elliptic. So that, so it gave like meaning to certain constellations. And then those constellations and the planet's behavior between them or whatever became these stories. So most of what has become our mythology today started with the constellations. And the snake was straddling the celestial equator. So that that gave it probably more prominence. And you see like Literally Kukukan. an image of a snake in the sky. Yeah, there's a the Osipicus. I think I'm going to, I won't say the name. I think it's Osipicus. Um, there's the, the, the snake that straddles like the celestial equator. And, um, and then, you know, like even Moses, like if, when he was up on the mountain, they were like making, this is in the book, you know, the New Test, Old Testament, that they're making a brazen thing to worship the snake that Moses had built, or, you know, I mean, some of those guys were actually the Magi out of that exact area of, you know, Mesopotamia before they, you know, ended up where they were. So, so it's kind of like, doesn't, it doesn't matter what culture, because again, in, um, in like the Mayan culture, they have Kukukin, which is a snake and a lot, and these were also like the, they would, uh, Venus would go under the earth and disappear because she's, you know, and be a posture of the sun and, so you kind of have to understand astrology and mythology or what was happening in the skies overhead, because that was really our only entertainment, maybe to really understand why we have the stories that we have and put it all kind of together. And that would also give you a better understanding of why some of our stories are similar. Like the great flood is the, the third, you know, when you think of the Zodiac, everything was called the seed from Capricorn to Pisces, Capricorn, Aquarius, Pisces. And, and they were all representing these ancient um, figures, these ancient gods from uh, Samaria and, you know, in the, in the sea and all, a lot of the things that became stories were actually things that were happening in the sky, you know, that they were watching in the great sea, like the, even the whale swallowing Jonah and uh, yeah. So they were kinda... watching all of that in the sky. This was the, uh, prelude to youtube i guess they or what or <laughs> exactly and so you know it's like we've got our dreams organically then when we can't remember those we've got our oracles as a way of talking to ourselves and then like we transcend everything when we go out into the sky and understand how some of these stories came from there and it's kind of like a limitless world that's fascinating um Carrie, why must we be able to accept the unacceptable to heal? And how does acceptance return us to gratitude? Um, we, we usually can only look back and understand why things unfold the way that they do. And, and this conversation about Ukraine is definitely one where we it's it kills all of us to wake up and have to watch and see what's what's going on. But uh, accepting the unacceptable could be like the idea that, you know, maybe part of making this world go away or, you know, or something can happen in our own life. That's like, I did not ask for this and I am not going to stand for this. And, you know, and then eventually 
we get through it and, and it's like, oh my God, I can't, I can't believe that happened because if that wouldn't have happened, then this wouldn't have happened, you know? Yeah. And so it's kind of back to that idea of, of having the faith that things are unfolding, even though we can't understand them and we're being, we're being led to something that will benefit us all in time and, yeah. and getting through time is often the challenge. But if you have the faith, if you have the faith, then and, and stay and can stay in the moment and can stay in wonder and innocence, then you don't have such a difficult time dealing with the unacceptable. Again, like I, I like to call it like a carriage pulls up to our house every day and we get into it and it's like, oh, what is, what kind of present does the universe have for me today? If we could have that innocence stand at the threshold of perception without jumping out and judging or without, you know, embroiling or arguing or defending, if we can just be witnesses and enjoy what's unfolding, it, it will, it will make sense faster. <laughs> does that make sense? Um, yeah. And, it, and, and, and how does that return us to gratitude? We need to be grateful for these experiences, even if they're uncomfortable or because, because like, because eventually we see why it happened. We see that that door had to close in order for this door to open. We see kind of like what you and I were talking about. We both came out of the fashion industry and then had some very, you know, and we became healers. And, and I told you, I like, I like to see my website as a light left on in the universe for anyone who's suffering and people get that. And I, I am so grateful to do the work that I do. And, but I couldn't be, be here if I didn't have those challenging things on my path as a, as a young girl and, you know, a first bride and, you know, whatever, like, yeah, I, I feel the same way. I mean, like exactly. with many things I went through, um, I'm, I'm filled with gratitude all the time and energy. You have such an amazing amount of energy in your work. Like I could, you know, the way you describe all the things that you're doing. So that's, yeah, I, I just, um, it fills me up. It, it really, um, propels me forward. Um, is there one or two, are there one or two common ideas amongst all of these ancient texts that you've studied that reveal a universal message for all of us? Is it more about the accepting the unacceptable or the letting go or the, what would you say that universal message is for everyone? I think that um, un universally, we're all, we are telling the story of of change, you know, of like, uh, acceptance and letting go. So it's kind of, you know, I think that when you compare like Western ideas to Eastern ideas, like the East has always seemed to have been, they like woke up, saw nature and allowed nature to be their teacher. And then in the West, it was like, oh, we see nature. Well, let's make, make nature like man. Like, you know right, what I mean? Let's like annihilate it and <laughs> right. for our own purposes, right? <laughs> right. You know, but so you can't, you know, so you can't really say that they're, they're exact, you know, there's like, they're, but they're all going to the same place. That's why I said what they might say in the West and call faith, you know, in the East, it would be learning to go with the changes or finding like that, you know, arm inside, or, you know, we're all saying the same thing. We're all learning how to um, rise to the joy that's in life and, and, uh, and, and not, you know, we'd like to see a world without suffering, but we have to, we have to change to get there. You know, we can't be selfish and we can't wag our finger at each other. There's a lot of growth. Like we're children, we're, we're spoiled children all over this world. And <laughs> right. So, so it's kind of, you know, I guess the universal message would be that 
there. We, we all want the same thing. We're all telling the same story. So there's nothing to defend. I agree with you. And I always say that the only thing that doesn't change in life is that everything changes. Exactly. Which is part of the acceptance. This is a great interview. I'm really enjoying talking with you. And so how about <laughs> telling our listeners and viewers every single way to connect with you and uh, share any specials you have for our Grief and Rebirth podcast audience? Okay. So um, my website is Cafe Asol, uh, like C-A-F-E and then A-U, like Cafe with Soul, Coffee with Soul, but CafeAsol.com. And, um, or you can search Carrie Honey and you'll find me. And H-O-H-N-E, everyone. Yeah. And so you can find, um, you know, oracles are free. The Dream Dictionary is free. There's a ton of like, just, you know, I basically get paid by advertisers, you know, to make, to keep the stuff going for everybody to just to use. But in there, I think there's, you know, a contact form. You can see some of the classes I offer. I have an online class of, of how nature can really inspire a, a, a real transformation in perception, you know, how to like really be present. Um, I have like, you know, one-on-one work that I do with people, dream interpretation. And what I'd offer to your listeners would be to normally my um, life path astrology reading, which I do live via Zoom like this. (laughs) Um, Normally it's $135, but I would offer it to your listeners if they mention your show for a hundred. So I really love doing that. And uh, I would love to meet some of your people. <laughs> so that would be my, I, off, I my offer to them. Wonderful. I'm thinking of taking uh, you up on that myself. <laughs> awesome. Um, what would you like to say about finding joy? I know that you often talk about how life's magic and mystery becomes visible when we have an open mind and this leads to finding joy. Is there anything else you would like to talk about? about- Remove the boundaries. I think that to remove the boundaries between you and others, remove the boundaries between wake and sleep, remove the boundaries between good and bad. I really think that getting to joy is a life without boundaries. And I guess, you know, another way is that openness that we were talking about. Yeah, that's beautiful. Carrie, I love how you make the spiritual tangible through both science and nature and share the common ideas among our ancient texts that reveal this important universal message for all of us. Thank you from my heart for this special interview that has brought ancient yet now seemingly new truths to us, helping us to illumine each of our own personal journeys towards healing and rebirth. You're so sweet. I, you're just the most amazing person. Oh I can't god. believe you would say something oh, like that to me. So but yeah. Oh my god, thank you're, you're you so much. Thank you. So <laughs> thank you. It was really, really we a delight. Both to are, we both have our <laughs> purpose, right? And it's such a pleasure to meet you. And here's a reminder, everyone, that you can see the show notes and all grief and rebirth podcast episodes on ireneweinberg.com. And make sure to follow us and like us on social at at Irene S. Weinberg on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And be sure to subscribe to Grief and Rebirth Podcast on YouTube. Like, subscribe, and hit notify so you'll get more inspiring and insightful new interviews like this one with Carrie coming your way. As I like to say, and Carrie I know will approve, to be continued. Many blessings. And bye for now. Mm -hmm.